Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and lab. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type your company work with. And laugh, I think we have to have some fun along the way, too. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, if you have any commercial real estate-related questions, or if you have comments about the show, we do appreciate hearing from you. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. Our email is info at com, Or connect through your favorite social media. You can find them all at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we have some very timely discussions for you. If your business leases or owns real estate, or if you're an investor, lender, appraiser, tax assessor, or an agent, or if you're just one of those smart people who want to know the latest on real estate valuations. Among other things, this show may help you save money, close more transactions, and better understand lender decisions. We're discussing appraisals and property tax assessments. You know, as property values can vary widely in this cycle, property tax assessment values have become big issues for lenders, property owners, and governments. We're going to talk to assessment experts on both sides of the aisle, if you will, as they share tips and best practices related to tax assessments. As the recovery drags on, appraisers have been extremely important for lender-oriented decisions. We're going to speak to leaders in the appraisal industry for an inside look at the issues, trends going on right now with appraisals. Uh, First, please welcome my first guest, Sarah Stevens, MAI, President of the Appraisal Institute. Organized in 1932, the Appraisal Institute is a global membership association of professional real estate appraisers with nearly 23,000 members in nearly 60 countries throughout the world. Sarah Stevens, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, and it's my pleasure to be here with you this morning. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Sarah. And and before we get started, could you tell us briefly about the Appraisal Institute and and the missions you guys have? Right, and thank you um, for noting that we we are a global um, organization, professional organization, and we have about 23,000 members across the world. And the Appraisal Institute works for the best interest of not only the public and the real estate value profession. Its members play an enormous role in assisting investors in financial markets. The Appraisal Institute advocates for its members and the appraisal industry before state and federal lawmakers and regulators, and we represent more than one-fourth of all real estate appraisers in the United States, support more than 35,000 appraisers through our joint government relations agreements, accounting for more than 90% of the U.S. professional designated appraiser population. So we're a very, very busy organization representing not only our members, but the profession as well. Well, you've been busy since 1932. We sure have. (laughs) Okay. Well, tell us about the appraisal designations. Uh, Where are they uh, quickly? Well, Many states require appraisers to be licensed in order to conduct business in that state. Additionally, some appraisers choose to undergo additional training to become state certified, and appraisers who have earned a designation from a professional association such as the MAI or the SRA from the Appraisal Institute represent the highest levels of education, experience, testing, peer review, ethics, and professional standards. Our designation members know that it's about taking their career to the next level and enhancing their reputation, expanding their earning opportunities, and having the satisfaction of knowing that they are among the best of the best. Designated members make a real difference in that they are committed to advanced education, defined ethical requirements, 
and higher expectations from the appraisal profession as a whole. Obtaining a designation shows appraisers' clients that they've gone over and beyond the basic level of education and experience that are needed for state certification and have demonstrated professional knowledge, understanding, and ability. Okay, well, that sounds great and important. Well, Sarah, how has the downturn in commercial real estate affected the appraisal market and appraisers in particular? Well, I think that um, in terms of the downturn in commercial real estate, um, our appraisers um, on the who do commercial work on the general side have found themselves still out there working and making the same kind of important um, information available to their clients. Basically, our role is still to provide objective, unbiased opinions about the value of real property and to help provide assistance to those who own it, who manage, sell, invest, and are lend money on the security of real estate. We're doing the same thing that we've always done, that thorough, going beyond um, just the minimal expectation of our clients to make sure that the information that we report and the information that we gather and analyze um, gives our clients the opportunity to make the decisions they need to invest and and to um, lend and uh, to continue to work with commercial real estate. Okay. I guess lender clients are are busy clients for appraisers at this point in time. Uh, How has the appraisal industry been affected uh, in regards to their lender clients? Well, our residential appraisers have certainly seen a shift in the the way that they do business. Um, Many of our um, residential um, members are now working with AMCs, and that's that's kind of a firewall between, if you will, between the lender and the appraiser. And this is a this is a real shift in the business model that most of our residential folks have seen. And for some, it's it's been a very very um, difficult time in their practice. For others, um, depending on on how their lender clients continue to work with. Um, the appraiser, uh, the shift hasn't been as um, as large as it as it has for others. Okay, and have clients placed blame on appraisers or, or their appraisal process for their situation, uh, especially lenders? We hear a lot of, of controversy and a lot of criticism about the the appraisals that many of the lenders and clients are receiving. But you know, um, my comment is always, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're really in that real estate transaction, uh, the only unbiased third party kind of person who's put out there and and makes the effort to um, analyze the market. Our job isn't to just give lip service to a, a price. Our job is to analyze the market to conduct our due diligence, which we've always done, and to report the market, to tell our clients what's going on. And that involves our research, our data gathering, um, our extra time to talk with the buyers and the sellers to understand the market that we're working in, and then to report that in the format that's specified by the client um, to that client. Oh, that sounds very professional. You know, when I'm giving an analysis to someone on the valuation of their property, I know it's going to be lower than they like. I just slide it under the door and run, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that way I don't get shot as a messenger, right? <laughs> or, what are the Institute's recommendations for their members when they're appraising in a declining market, Sarah? 
Well, first of all, the Appraisal Institute's been very proactive with its membership in this regard. We've educated our members about appraising in declining markets. We've made a lot of education seminars and webinars available to them to assist our members in continuing to offer professional services. But some of the things that we continue to um, hear our residential members talk about and we continue to help them understand is that our sound judgment and our, our continuing efforts to gather good data and good information uh, haven't changed. But we do emphasize considering all relevant transactions that have occurred in the market and then making a determination about which of those transactions ought to be used to arrive at a credible, reliable opinion of value. Um, the the opportunity to use comparable sales in the in the market and to understand how to analyze those sales if they happen to be distressed sales um, is important. And we urge uh, looking at sales that are similar to the subject property and location, size, condition, other features that buyers and sellers believe make a difference in price. Again, our job is to report the market, and we investigate circumstances of each transaction, and this is enormously important. And it goes to the idea of hiring a person who is well acquainted with a market and has expertise that's geographically similar in market uh, strategy to the subject property. Um, and also that market, uh, local market condition um, and understanding supply and demand factors and understanding how to take that that market information, that market data, that supply and demand data, and to make a good judgment and to analyze that market in the appropriate manner. We continue to work with our appraisers and continue to give them the education and the skills they need to do those things. Well, Sarah Stevens, we sure appreciate your time on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you on behalf of the Appraisal Institute. Well, great. Well, thank you. Thank you. And if you'd like more information about the Appraisal Institute, uh, their information website and contact information is available at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, we have a whole lot more in store for you. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate subjects or property sectors, check out our show podcast. Last week, we had a great show on Twitter for Business. You can hear this show and other recent shows while they're still available on iTunes and on the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we have an important topic, appraisals and property tax assessments. Please welcome my next guest, Debbie Asbury, Director of Arkansas Assessment Coordination Department. Debbie is also president of the International Association of Assessing Officers. IAAO was founded in 1934 and has more than 7,300 members worldwide from government, business, and academic communities. Debbie, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. 
thank you, Michael. I um, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, speak to uh, you and um, any of the listeners that you might have listened to the show today. Well, thank you, Debbie. And first of all, I'd like to know, how are governmental entities dealing with commercial property assessments right now? Are they getting a lot of assessment appeals, and are they able to properly handle the volume? Um, most of them are able to handle the volume. Um, a lot of the jurisdictions, and I'll just back up just a second, um, what I actually did was I polled um, several different jurisdictions, local jurisdictions across the United States, Canada, and actually a couple of international countries to um, basically answer some of these questions. And um, a lot of the jurisdictions um, do annual revals. So they don't see as many appeals because they're adjusting their, uh, those market values annually. Um, in the uh, metropolitan areas that do revals less often, of course, when those new values are put on, they see more appeals. Um, for example, one metropolitan area in Florida in 2008 saw 15,000 appeals versus 2011 they saw 3,000. Mm. Okay. So that's, uh, but the longer length of time between revals, uh, it seems like there's been uh, more appeals during that time. Well, what are the requirements uh, for counties and, and these entities uh, related to adjusting assessments on market values for commercial properties? Um, this is basically a wide range across the United States, definitely. Um, as, again, as I said, a lot of the local jurisdictions do annual revals. Um, for example, here in Arkansas, where I am, we do, our counties are on a three or a five year cycle, depending on their growth. And um, we've had 19 counties that completed reappraisal this year, and they didn't have 15% growth, so they've all gone on a five year cycle. Um, one local jurisdiction um, has to just do a reval once every eight years. Wow. So it's just, it's kind of all over the board, um, but. The ones that do the annual revals, of course, the values are adjusted annually. And, um, and commercial properties are not singled out. Um, they're not normally done any differently than residential properties. They're all on the same cycle, whether it's annual, three or five years, or, you know, not, not a cycle at all. I see. Okay. Well, uh, Debbie, since commercial property values can adjust dramatically, sometimes based on occupancy, uh, how do governmental entities look at assessment values, for example, if a property loses an anchor tenant and has a, a lot um, higher vacancy than right. the market around it? Right. Um, most of the, they allow for a excess vacancy with a rent loss calculation. Um, so basically, um, Rob Turner, the assessor in uh, Hillsborough County, um, they use what is typical in the market, um, as, and they value in fee, not least fee. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, in some markets, there have not been a lot of arm's length uh, sales to aid in establishing values. However, I guess sales volumes seem to be picking up now. How much are sales comps and lease comps an issue in the process right now? Um, basically, um, they're not really an issue. The, the information, um, of course, is reviewed from a number of different sources. They use COSTAR, um, IREM, as well as just normal field inspections. And um, since commercial properties normally are done on um, an income approach, um, the the values on commercial properties, the sales you know sales comparison approach just 
doesn't work very well for commercial properties. So sales in commercial properties especially are not really that big of an issue. I see. Well, as an association, what advice do you have for governments that are getting a lot of appeal assessments? Um, As an association, um, we actually provide several different standards that we have, um, and those standards um, range all the way from the standard on mass appraisal to the standard on um, how to deal with um, foreclosures, the standard on. um, So those standards are there for our members to be able to have um, many, many um, jurisdictions actually or states um, have some of those different standards um, in their legislation. For example, um, IWO ratio study standard is listed in our um, Arkansas statutes here. I see. Well, Debbie, what are some of the biggest issues and most common questions that your association members hear or deal with today? Um, Probably um, the foreclosures and the effect of the economy on property values is is a really big concern. Of course, the other probably biggest concern, and especially in, I think, what they would be called the sunshine states, um, are the cutbacks in government spending um, just because the money's not there. Right. And, Debbie, what are some of the best practices for governments that are dealing with the downturn of values? Um, some of the um, some of the best practices that I and and this was um, I had uh, someone from Iceland that um, responded to this and some of the locals here and basically it's just um, and the lady from Iceland said openness and fairness <laughs> um, and to listen to the property owners and of, of course it's key to know the market activity what's going on out there in the market and just again, keep the public informed. Okay. And Debbie, the public would like to know this. Uh, What are the biggest differences in the assessment process as compared to the process for an appraisal? Um, Well, it's kind of funny. I um, actually have a big, long definition here. But in very simple terms, and I've decided that I'm just going to tell you this, in very simple terms, and this is how I explain it to the taxpayers here when they call, um, because Uh, they think that people that do mass appraisal, which is what property tax people do, that we play some kind of voodoo with those numbers. (laughs) And we don't. Um, But basically, in very simple terms is, it doesn't matter whether you do fee appraisal work or you do mass appraisal work. We're all working with the same sales. And the difference is, when I ask an appraiser to go do an appraisal on my house for a bank loan, um, they're looking at comparable properties to say, my house is worth this much money. In our world, which is mass appraisal, we look at those sales of those five or six different comps, and we say, the houses in this area are worth that much money because those five houses show that those are comparable. Right. And so... Very simple terms. We don't, we don't manufacture any new sales. They're all we all have to use the same sales. Um, we just come about things a little bit differently. 
All right, so you hear, heard it here. No voodoo, right? <laughs> no voodoo, no voodoo. Well, Debbie Asbury, thanks for your insight today, and thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you. If you'd like more information from or about the International Association of Assessing Officers, their website and contact information is available at commercialrealestateshow.com. After a short break, we'll share more intel and best practices on tax assessments and appraisal issues. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like more great commercial real estate information, you're invited to follow us on Twitter. The show username is at CRE Show, and mine is at Bull Realty. You can also check out the show blog at CREshow.com. Well, today our topic is appraisals and property tax assessments. Now we'll cover some best practices with both appraisal issues and tax assessments for you. Please welcome Ron Nyhart, Senior Managing Director of CBRE's Valuation and Advisory Services team. Uh, Ron has been in the business for 30 years, and he directs the Valuation and Advisory Division for the eight-state southeast region and assists the other nine regional offices around the country. Ron, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, Michael. It's about time we had an appraiser on the show. (laughs) I know. Finally, right? Finally. And please welcome Blaine McCaleb, partner with Easily McCaleb & Associates, a national property tax service firm with offices all around the country, including D.C., Dallas, San Francisco, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Milwaukee, (laughs) (laughs) and Atlanta. Well, there'll be a test on that later. Blaine, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for uh, having me, Michael. We look forward to it and appreciate the opportunity. And, Blaine, I'd like to start with you. Can commercial property owners get anywhere appealing their property tax assessments these days since the counties are all short on money? Absolutely, Michael. Uh, The tax assessors are charged with valuing the property at fair market value, and then there are separate entities that uh, uh, determine the tax rates and also uh, collect taxes. and if the, if the taxpayer is not happy with the uh, tax assessment value of the tax assessor, then there are also a few opportunities. Typically, there is a, uh, a county or local uh, board of review or board of equalization, and then in some states there are state boards of equalization, and then after those administrative appeal remedies, you can um, always appeal to uh, court. Okay. And should tax consultants uh, or appraisers be local to produce the best results, Blaine? Uh, not at all, Michael. Uh, tax assessors, for the most part, are uh, professional. They're trying to do uh, the best job that they can. Uh, however, these days they have uh, oftentimes limited staff, limited resources, uh, but they're, uh, they're, they're not normally caring about uh, where you're from. They're, uh, they're doing their process uh, in a professional manner as far as how they go about it, how they arrive at their values. And they are, if they, if they make a mistake or if there is important information about the properties that affects the mar- market value of the property, then they're typically happy to um, 
know about that information and happy to consider that in the uh, value of the property. So you're showing a lot of love for these assessors. I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, Ron, what about appraisers? Should they be local for the best results? Uh, it depends, Michael. If they have the resources to do a competent job, then they're okay. My experience has been that they don't have the resources, especially for the larger commercial properties where they have to uh, draw from a bigger trade area to get the best comparables to use in, in the appraisal. So in that regard, they're probably not the best appraiser for that assignment. Okay. And Blaine, if an investor just paid more than the taxable value for a property, might he get anywhere appealing it? Uh, certainly, Michael. Um in this uh, um, business and in the appraisal business, uh, one sale does not make a market. So uh, there are certainly more astute investors. There are less astute investors. There are investors with different uh, uh, return requirements. There are investors, obviously, that are foreign. There are investors that are domestic. Mm -hmm. And so typically tax assessors will look at all the sales uh, in a given market as far as deciding the the fair market value of a property. Okay, and Blaine, does an attorney always need to get involved with a tax assessment appeal? No, not at all, Michael. Um, the uh, attorneys only have to get involved when it becomes a legal matter, and typically that is at the court level. So up until that time, the taxpayer, the taxpayer's representative, can meet informally with the tax assessor or their staff. Then they can uh, meet on behalf of the uh, taxpayer, or the taxpayer themselves can go to the local Board of Review, Board of Equalization, and then on to the uh, State Board of Equalization. Okay. And what kind of information is needed to get a tax assessment reduced, Blaine? The, uh, the main thing is just to think in terms of anything that affects your property value. It could be environmental issues. It could be occupancy issues. It could be um, uh, high operating expenses. Uh, it could be uh, ingress and egress problems. It could be a railroad track and and noise of uh, trains nearby, uh, any any number of things. But what it could, just think in terms of uh, you know your property the best and uh, whatever problems uh, you're having uh, that are significant can affect the property value. And is an appraisal required? Uh, Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. We need to change that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have an appraisal, uh, should it be new or a recent, or how old can it be? I think the important thing here is that the appraisal be appropriate to the current market, and it depends on the the sales activities that have occurred recently. If it's in a uh, if the market's been steady, then then certainly you could deal with an, an older appraisal. If the market's been on the decline or the upswing then uh, probably the most current, uh, the most appropriate. Okay. All right, we have to take a short break. We have more intel headed your way. I'm Michael Bull, and you're listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. (laughs) 
welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up in the next few months. For example, a show on bank and servicer strategies, and a show on commercial lease issues. If you'd like to know about upcoming show topics, sign up for a once-a-week topic email at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today our topic is appraisals and property tax assessments. My guests are Ron Nyhart with CBRE and Blaine McCaleb with Easley McCaleb & Associates. And uh, Blaine, I'd like to get back to uh, assessors and and uh, fighting these assessments. On commercial property, do assessors consider the existing income and vacancy of a particular asset? Uh, absolutely, Michael. On commercial properties, uh, the income approach to value is is oftentimes the uh, the best indication of, of value of that property. And uh, so they typically like to see the last three years operating statements, and they like to see the um, uh, rent roll as of uh, January 1, which is typically the uh, uh, assessment date throughout the country. Uh, it does vary in some states, but that is uh, by far the majority. So if you've got a 50% occupied building, in a market that's 90% occupied, uh, they still may base it on that 50% occupancy. Yes, but they may not, uh, they very well may not give you all 50% credit. They probably will meet you somewhere in the middle. Okay. And Ron? I'm saying something a little bit different, especially with the, the income producing properties, because by definition, uh, the states and some of the counties appraise at market value. Some are have an implied fee interest, which your previous guest mentioned, and not least fee. So by definition, fee simple assumes market rent, market expenses. A lot of times the assessors don't get access to the financial information, and they have to uh, uh, estimate it based on market. When you base it on market, many times if we're doing uh, an appraisal for a lender, we have to consider substantial lease-up cost to get it to that market rent. The assessors haven't haven't, um, come full circle yet. I think there's a case many times for attorneys out there to argue it based on the definitions that the counties and states impose on you. Yeah, and I guess, uh, Blaine, that's what uh, you're, you guys are doing every day, aren't you? And, and uh, Blaine, let me ask you about comps. How are distressed sales and foreclosure sales comps handled in property tax assessments uh, and in appraisals these days? You know, Michael, that varies uh, throughout the country. There have been... Um, uh, different court rulings in different states, and uh, there have been uh, court cases that say, well, if, that, if those distressed sales, if those foreclosures are the bulk of the market, then they certainly need to be taken into consideration. So it's more of a case-by-case? Case. Certainly a state-by-state. State. Okay. And, <clears throat> and Ron, what about the, with appraisals? Uh, appraisals is a little bit different because uh, based on the definition of market value, uh, a foreclosure sale is not arm's length. Therefore, we don't consider it. However, you have to make distinction between a foreclosure sale and an REO sale. An REO sale is, is a property that the bank owns and now takes it to market and then sells. We use that transaction as, as indicated uh, of market value. Uh, but by definition, and most states and counties adopt the definition of market value. If you read it, it will clearly state it has to be arm's length. And foreclosure sales, in my opinion, are not arm's length. Okay. And when it's sold at the courthouse steps like that, that makes sense. How far away and how far back time-wise uh, can an assessor go uh, on sales comps, Mike? Uh, that's really their judgment. Uh, they should look at the uh, market uh, and determine uh, uh, how far back is appropriate, depending on the whether the market is stable, 
or whether the market is in a decline um, or, or the market is on the upswing. Okay. And um, might also clarify uh, something that in uh, in some states um, the uh, the most recent sale is the sale that's required by law to u- to be used of the for, actual property. Exactly. Is required to be used for assessment purposes. Okay. And Ron, what about the appraisal business? How far back can you use a comp and how far away? Uh, it just depends on the market for a particular property. For example, if you have a rural uh, large manufacturing property, you're going to have to go back several years to find some good comparable sales. The assessor probably doesn't have access to that information. However, it's still reflective of our opinion of market value and be very appropriate to use sales that are several years old. Okay. So there's no set time frame that, no, you can't go far, that far back. No, no set time frame at all. Okay. And Ron, what are the basic levels of appraisals offered in, in typical price ranges? It's not uh, just one, one deal here, is it? One size fits all. Uh, no, there's, there's typically three types, and they're restricted, summary, and self-contained. The analysis and research is the same for all three of them. The difference is the reporting option. For example, the restricted report is a short letter. A summary report is more summarized information about the area and the property characteristics. And the self-contained is, is the full narrative, which most lenders uh, require for lending purposes. And the fees range from anywhere from, at least in my, my practice, from 2000 up to $50,000, depending upon the scope of the assignment. Okay. And Ron, what are the risks associated with choosing an appraiser based on the lowest fee? It's a good question, Michael. We fight this every day. And and, in my practice, what I see based a a lot on litigation is is a a couple of things. One, you have to make sure that the appraiser is competent. If they're not competent, uh, they're not going to do a good job. And where that comes um, back to is in court. It has to be supportable in court. Many times clients might save $1,000 on an appraisal, but then lose millions of dollars in in court deficiency judgments in the confirmation hearing. Uh, They also lack resources. Typically, the low-cost provider doesn't have the amount of resources to do a proper job. Therefore, his value is not going to be supportable in court or for most lenders. So the lender has to hire another appraisal, which causes delays and frustration on both the lender and the borrower's part. Yeah, so it's the old story. Sometimes you get what you pay for, right? You do. (laughs) All right, we have to take a quick break. If you appreciate the show, reach out to our show sponsors. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, our topic is appraisals and property tax assessments. My guests are Ron Nyhart with CBRE and Blaine McCaleb with Eastleigh McCaleb & Associates. And Ron, I'd like to ask you this question. I think some of my listeners are curious about it. How are commercial appraisers chosen now by banks and other lenders? 
Uh, good question, Michael. It's a lot of different variables. I, I would state first, it, it, competency. Whoever they select has to be competent, uh, whether it's the bank or the appraisal management company that's, that's uh, uh, handling the process. Uh, two, unfortunately, is fee. Uh, it's, it's much more of a commodity product right now, so the lowest fee seems to win a lot of business. Uh, timing, who, who can deliver the report uh, in the fastest. Uh, and no conflicts. It's a big issue right now in our industry, uh, checking on conflicts. If you have a relationship with the borrower, uh, the owner, or if you've appraised it before in the past, sometimes you get conflicted out. Uh, and then it comes down to relationship. Uh, unfortunately, not uh, uh, as much as it used to be probably 15 years ago, but uh, relationships do count. Uh, and we still see that happening around the country. So I would say those would be the, the majority of, of variables impacting the decision. Okay. And Ron, what should a buyer, seller, or lender do if they feel an appraisal is too low? Can they do anything about it? My suggestion is they go to their, their lender, the loan officer, and, and tell them that they don't believe the value is, is correct. Now, they have to have some information that perhaps we weren't furnished with, either new information or perhaps the appraiser missed something in the marketplace. And then that loan officer will take it to their credit department and have that credit department ask the appraiser to revisit some assumptions and some variables. Okay. We just had a recent appraisal in an office building that uh, came in at 100 a foot, and there were comps at 250 a foot that weren't used. And we went back, and actually the lender just threw out the appraisal and used an older one, and we're able to get that that loan closed, and it was a smart move. Ron, I've seen appraisals on many lender-owned properties be way too high. Uh, are there any tendencies by some appraisers to come in a little higher on bank-owned properties? I've, I've, I've seen it a couple of different ways, Michael. Mm-hmm. One time, uh, or the, the smaller banks, um, probably a couple of years ago, were putting pressure on the appraisers to come in at a higher value because they didn't want to take the loss uh, or the write-down on the properties. I've also seen appraisers who don't have the proper amount of resources valuing properties in the market because there haven't been a whole lot of transactions. Uh, so their values are are uh, artificially high because of lack of adequate market data. Because um, once our, our job's to reflect the market, not make it. Uh, so, so you do have those situations around the country. Okay. And Blaine, I want to ask you about compensation. What's it cost to do a, an appeal on your tax assessment? Michael, it, uh, it varies quite a bit. It just depends on um, how large a property we're talking about, uh, where it's located, how many properties we're talking about. But uh, we try to be very flexible. We're willing to do uh, appeals on uh, uh, hourly plus expenses, uh, a flat fee, or a uh, uh, if it's a large enough property, a large enough tax bill, or percentage of the tax percentage of the tax savings. Uh, usually with a small upfront uh, administrative fee. Okay. And Ron, mm-hmm. have you seen lenders or others try to blame appraisers for improper valuations in this cycle? Michael, everybody blames the appraiser on values. But, <laughs> Shoot uh, the messenger, right? <laughs> that's right. Uh, like I said, we reflect the value, and, and many times uh, they might not agree with it. Uh, many years ago when, when, when values were escalating, um, you know, we didn't get too much blame. Uh, now when, when you see the declining side, we're getting a lot of blame because uh, we just reflect the market. Like I said, we're, we're just a messenger, the scorekeeper. So, unfortunately, we do get, uh, we do get blamed for some events. Well, it is the value at the time. I mean, there's a date on them for a reason, right? Yeah, it's a date of value at the time. And after that date, all bets are off. So <laughs> that's right. We're in a nice position. Well, Ron Blaine, thanks for joining us today. We sure appreciate you sharing your insight with us. 
Thank you, Michael. Ryan, uh, yeah. Michael, thank you for having us. If you'd like more information from Ron Blaine or anyone on the show today, the websites and uh, all their contact information is available for you at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, I have a question for you as listeners. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. I promise another informative show. Thanks for spending some time with us. I'm Michael Bull. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show.